Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana, aka Mod. And I'm David, aka Macintosh. And this week we're going on vacation. But for like a real movie, we're watching vacation. National Lampoon's vacation. Oh, cool. The Griswold family's cross-country drive to the Wally World theme park proves to be much more arduous than they ever anticipated. That's accurate. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. You don't like 80s comedies. I'm coming to realize this. I don't know that that's true. Mm, you did like Stripes. I didn't hate it. I, I understand why it's funny. I just don't care about it. I'm like, I love Ferris Bueller's. I love Avengers and Babysitting. But you don't like 80s comedies that are built around idiot leads. Oh, I don't like movies where everything relies on a bad plan, because I hate that in life. (laughs) There is no universe where I would be willing to get in a car with you and our children for two weeks. That is precisely why this movie is funny. Because Clark Griswold isn't. I think you're all fucked in the head. Well, that's very true. We're 10 hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun we'll need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. <laughs> i got to be crazy. I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise Marty Moose. Holy shit. But it just, uh, it drives up my control freak anxiety so much. So I was just like, I hate all these people. There's nothing about this is smart in any way, shape, or form. I hate everyone. And like, I grew up driving. My grandparents, we lived in Dallas. My grandparents lived in Indiana, Evansville, Indiana, the most boring old people town in the universe. And we would drive there all the time. So we would spend a good 18 hours in the car. And that was fine because my parents... Do not create horrible, horrible plans. And my dad knows how to pack a fucking car. <laughs> Tetris is life skills, people. Like like the thing with all the luggage, when you have a full station wagon trunk in the back and you put every piece of luggage on top, this is the stupidest fucking thing in the world. It drives me crazy. <laughs> like at that, I was just like, oh, no, there's no saving these people. No. All and hope that, is lost. But that's the point that's what makes it funny no but to me it's not funny because it's just obviously stupid so for me you have to like there has to be a reason why they keep putting it on the top like when aunt edna shows up it's like i need all the space in the trunk i'm sitting in the trunk all of the luggage has to go on top that would make sense to me but before then it's it's stupid i hate it it drives Uh. me nuts i'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry to bring logic to National Lampoon, but it drives me crazy. That is a big element to me of like the Caddyshacks and vacations and animal houses of the world. You have to turn your logical brain off and just giggle at jokes. Otherwise, these movies will never be entertaining to you. But see, like a movie like The Hangover, where it would be so easy to be like, this is ridiculous. This would never happen. Because they explain all the stupid shit that happens. They don't just like act like, well, everybody's stupid. No. Yes, this is insane. This is ridiculous, but they grounded it in something realistic. So you didn't like it. 
Okay, I didn't hate it. <laughs> okay. I have no desire to see this film again. Well, that's fine. Okay. Okay. 1983. Mm-hmm. The budget for this film was $15 million, which in 83 money, like we're talking $30 million budget now. I mean, it's still a low budget film, but for a comedy, that's not unreasonable. It's still a big number. Okay. Total gross, $61,399,552. That's a pretty good return. And then think of the royalties. Because this movie was easily edited and played on television all the fucking time. Oh, there time. are definitely parts of this movie. I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah. I've seen this bit because it would have it was played on television a lot. Like, I know that there were vacation marathons on television. I just missed pieces of them. Yeah. And this movie, like all the vacation movies, they're so easily converted for TV. Like, you don't have to cut out a lot to make it okay for broadcast yeah you just have to change some words and get rid of the boobs yeah pretty much it was like the boobs were unnecessary well again 80s movies i don't know what to tell you about that they like to just do random boobs in 80s films i'm not complaining it's just like <laughs> oh there are boobs all right boobs boobs whatever the writer for this film mr john hughes we talked about him before we like that dude we have talked about him before but since it's been a little while since <laughs> our Last Thanksgiving episodes. Yeah. Before this, he did Class Reunion and Mr. Mom. But all of his success came after this movie. This was his big breakout. Mm -hmm. And then from this, he, of course, did Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind of Wonderful Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Career Opportunities, Dutch, Curly Sue, Beethoven, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Dennis the Menace, Baby's Day Out, Miracle on 34th Street from 1994, 101 Dalmatians from 96, Flubber, Home Alone 3, Maiden Manhattan, and Drillbit Taylor. Oh, God. Woo! Lots of credits there. Yeah, he did good work. He did a lot of stuff. He did. Most importantly is that this is based on his article and short story, Vacation 58, which is a legendary story from National Lampoon's magazine, mm -hmm. which includes several of the scenes from this movie and also some used in Christmas Vacation, that hap hap happiest speech. Yeah. Comes from Vacation 58. Yeah, we touched on that a little last year when we covered Christmas Vacation during our holiday series. So, what do you think of the writing? The writing is, like, pretty okay. Like, it's just, like, the grounding things that I have a problem with. But I like the premise. Okay, we're going to put all of these people in this really uncomfortable situation. Let's see what happens. I'm okay with all that. Like, I, I like it when we did it in Saw. So, it can work here, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do this type of thing on television all the time. We call it bottle episodes where you shove everybody in one room for the entire episode. <laughs> and it's, that's th this movie. That's basically this movie. The only difference is like we add in like family crap and like car problems. Well, it's also believed that Harold Ramis and Chevy Chase widely rewrote the script to focus on the parents instead of the kids. Okay. John Hughes script was centered around Rusty and Audrey. In fact, the Ferrari girl was originally Rusty's love interest, not Clark's. See, that would have played so much better if it had been Rusty's, like, fantasy. That whole thing, I think, was really fucking disgusting. With the Ferrari girl? Yes. Oh, yeah. All of it. Because I said, because I didn't know, I was like, like, oh, is this like a figment of his imagination? Because then it would have been hilarious. This is what Clark does when he escapes a bad situation. He fantasizes about hot girls. That would have been hilarious. But it also would have been totally appropriate if at one point we see this lady in this car. She can be real. 
and Rusty sees her. And both him and Clark are like, I like that. I'm into that. And then Rusty just keeps fantasizing that she's there. And then maybe Clark fantasizes about her, but her being there and that be the joke. But the fact that she's real is gross. Yeah, that's the misstep. That's where they took it one step too far. It's gross. And then and then the whole fight that Clark has with his wife, and then he leaves and he just starts hitting on ladies. It's like, this is so fucking horrible. This is that's not even funny. Yeah. Like his wife is mad at him for being a jackass. So he leaves and goes and hits on ladies, and then he winds up basically naked in a pool with one. No. They're a uh, uh- good chunk of scenes from this movie that you could take out and it would be fine. It would actually make Clark not a horrible dude. Well, I'm fine with Clark being a horrible dude. Like, I think that's what makes it funny. No, if you go go the whole movie with him not being a horrible dude, when he pulls the gun on the security card, <laughs> that's a man who snapped. That makes that that much funnier. Yeah. Screamy baby. Let's go. Get in the front. Come on. Has your father ever killed anyone before? Oh, just a dog. Oh, and my Aunt Edna. Hey, you can't prove that, Rusty. It really does, but he's been kind of a scum this whole time. Yeah, you're not wrong. So if if you edited it to make him, like, just a guy who's trying really hard to do something really fun with his family... And everything's going wrong. He's just trying to keep together. And then this is the thing that breaks him. This is what breaks him. (sighs) Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah, it fueled most of his career. I think he really needs to go back on it because he's kind of turned into a jerk. I think he was... A a jerk again, like a more public jerk. I think he's always been this kind of an asshole. Okay, well... It's just been widely reported now. It's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Social media has exposed so many things. This is a man who decided to leave... Saturday Night Live as the most popular actor on that show because he thought his prospects to be a movie star were better than Saturday Night Live. I mean, he did pretty good for himself, but it wasn't like he didn't become Bruce Willis or anything. No, and he thought he was going to be. I know. (laughs) And the thing, here's the thing. Chevy Chase, especially in the 80s, attractive dude. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he did fine. But yeah, gross. No, he's a gross person. Some of the other fun stuff in the writing of the script, they originally called for there to be a shot of Edna's fingers moving while she was strapped to the top of the roof. The ratings board thought that was too cruel, so they just cut it. I think that was right. I think her just being strapped, covered in a blanket to the top of the roof is funny. (laughs) That was funny. It just... Well, again, okay, and then putting all the luggage up top again, like, oh, we gotta hide her. Let's hide her in the luggage that's hilarious. And again, if he's not played to be a scumbag on top of being like that, inept. Like the stuff with Edna could be where we could start to see some of the cracks in him, which is just like, he's a super nice guy. He's super nice to Randy and his crazy batch of kids. But this woman gets gets under his skin in a way that he cannot rationalize or explain. Well, I think also he's just... He's so high strung. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. That it seeps out of him the entire time. Mm -hmm. The script originally called for the family to be in Disneyland. Yeah. Disney objected, Mm -hmm. noting in their objection that they are open 365 days a year. Absolutely. They've only closed, I believe, at this count, three days since their opening. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Instead, 
They made Wally World with Marty Moose subbing for Mickey Mouse and Roy Wally, emblematic of Walt and Roy Disney, including the signature mustache. Yep. And the film, of course, spurned the popular gag of calling Walmart Wally World. Oh, yeah. Like, I knew that, but it's also like, oh, yeah. Okay. It's something that you kind of know, but then if you haven't seen the movie, you don't think about. And then when you have seen the movie, you're like, well, I know exactly why I call this Wally World. Mm -hmm. Our director, Mr. Harold Ramis. Oh, hello, Harold Ramis. Before this, he did Caddyshack. Mm -hmm. After this, Club Paradise, Groundhog Day, Stewart Saves His Family, Multiplicity, Analyze This, Bedazzled, Analyze That, The Ice Harvest, and Year One. And also, you might know him as, you know, the writer of Ghostbusters and a really funny actor and comedian. Some of that stuff, too. What do you think about the directing? I mean, for a comedy, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Like, I don't think it's magical. I think there's an element that he also gets across in Caddyshack where the failures of the script are the problem, Mm -hmm. but he gets every scene to work and be as funny as he can possibly make it. Okay, so I really feel that from him as a director on Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Like, Groundhog's Day is not a great script, but Harold Ramis and Bill Murray make that movie. Well, they also rewrote that script like 20 times. Well, okay, but that they're making that movie work. Oh, yeah. Because um, that movie's actually pretty awesome in a weird way. It's competent. It's fine. Yeah. The reason that he can be a great director for a movie like this mm-hmm. is that he understands sketch comedy. He understands episodic comedy like he, this. He knows what the beats are that the scene have to hit. And he can work with Chevy to improv if we need to, to get a funnier scene than what we just have on paper. Totally. We have who could have been better. Mm-hmm. John Landis. Ooh. Warner Brothers wanted him, but he turned it down because he was working on An American Werewolf in London. No, because he would have cocained it up way too much. Yeah, but maybe they needed to turbocharge some things to like make it work. Well, I say that, and then you know we watch Trading Places, and holy fuck, that movie's great. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he would have found those things. It was like this does nothing for the movie. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe John maybe, Landis. Maybe it would have been different for sure. It would definitely been a different movie. Better or worse, hard to know. One thing that Harold Ramis has stated is his unequivocal regret for the St. Louis scene. Mm-hmm. Mm. which we have to talk about that. It's super racist. Yes. There's just no denying that. So this makes me super disappointed in all the people involved in this film. However, I give full props to Harold Ramis for growing as a person and being like, you know what? I'm not happy that still exists. I'm sad I did that. And I would like to get rid of it if I could. His actual quote stated that the scene was one of the most politically incorrect sequences he ever shot and that it practically demonized everyone involved. He also admitted that he wasn't proud of shooting it in the way it appears in the film, and that he was not even sure if he would shoot that particular scene today, and if he did, he would shoot it or write it out in a different and better way. See, he grew as a person. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to demonize him for this scene. The one line that somebody pointed out that he thinks works really well Mm -hmm. and is a funny joke is the line from the guy saying, you don't want to know for me, man, this ain't even my neighborhood. I'm from the west side of Chicago here on vacation. Yeah. The Griswolds are from the west side of Chicago on vacation. vacation. It is one of those scenes that I didn't think about any other time I'd seen it. Mm -hmm. And now just going, oh boy, this is so bad. It's the worst scene in the movie. And it feels icky and I don't like it. It's another one of those scenes that just didn't need to be there. Well, the thing is, if you cut it out, 
You miss nothing. Exactly. It doesn't say anything. Well, it says a lot and it's, none of it's good. It, just, it doesn't <laughs> add anything to the movie. So it can go. Yeah. On to our cast. Ooh, yes. Chevy Chase as Clark W. Griswold. Mm-hmm. This is the only time I will give his full amount of credits because we're going to be talking about him a lot. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> we did the same for M. Night. It's true. Before this, he was in The Groove Tube, Saturday Night Live, Foul Play, and Caddyshack. After this, Fletch, European Vacation, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, Funny Farm, Caddyshack 2, Fletch Lives, Christmas Vacation, L.A. Story, Nothing But Trouble, Last Action Hero, Cops and Robertsons, Vegas Vacation, Dirty Work, Snow Day, Orange County, Hot Tub Time Machine, Community, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, and Vacation 2015. Hot Tub Time Machine is a really good movie. I was surprised by how much we enjoyed that film. I've never seen Fletch. Neither have I. I'm kind of disappointed that I haven't. Mm -hmm. I've seen Spies Like Us. Kind of fun. Funny Farm. Not very good. Three Amigos. Great. I mean, it's classic. I need to see that movie again. Who could have been better? Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. Richard Belzer. Who's that? You would only know him now as the sunglasses older detective guy on Law and Order, but used to be a very famous comedian. Sure. Robert Klein, also a famous comedian from the 70s. Mm -hmm. And Bill Murray. Bill Murray, hands down. Fuck Chevy Chase. As a dad. Yeah. But there's okay, here's the thing. You have to think about him being that young. Because now he's like our weird Uncle Grandpa dude. No, I know, but Bill Murray already had kind of scumbag energy or really sort of dark character energy after stripes and caddyshack. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could buy him as goofy dad. Oh, I think you could. If he really wanted to, but I don't, I think Chevy Chase is the exact right person to play Clark Griswold. Okay, remember what about Bob? I remember what about Bob? Bill Murray, hands down. Bill Mm -hmm. Murray. I think Chevy Chase is the right person. I just think, like we said, the writing makes him a jerk instead of just a Mm -hmm. way too optimistic dad. I think that's the problem. Next up, Beverly D'Angelo as Ellen Griswold. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, we will talk about her this time, and then never again. Before this, she was in Annie Hall, Every Which Way But Loose, Hair, Coal Miner's Daughter, and Fairy Tale Theater. Yay! After this, 1984 is A Streetcar Named Desire, Finders Keepers, European Vacation, Big Trouble from 1986, Christmas Vacation, Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, Vegas Vacation, Nowhere, American History X, The House Bunny, Entourage, Vacation 2015, Shooter, and Insatiable, both on TV. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I really like her with Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't remember what I thought about her in Christmas Vacation. I should probably go listen to that. Like, I didn't need to see her boobs. So, no. I mean, they're fine. But I was just kind of like, well, this is dumb. And I I just, and this is just going back to the writing. I wish she had a little more agency because, like, she never drives. And it's not her fault. It's That's Clark's whole thing. And it's just like, she's just there a lot in this movie. She has these great moments Mm -hmm. and little punchy lines and then never gets any agency back from it. Yeah. And that's that's to do with the writing. It's nothing wrong with Beverly D'Angelo. She's great. And I really like her with Chevy Chase. Just the them standing looking out over the the scenery. Well, you know, can only get better, right? No. But each day we have a little more hope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like over time, she still loves this absolute doofus Mm -hmm. but every time they talk about it 
she just keeps losing more and more faith that this trip is ever going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> She's tried. She tried several times. Like, we can just start over. We could just go home. Let's go home. Well, after this, your father's probably going away for a while. <laughs> that makes sense. She just tries to stay reasonable. I love her little hand wave to, to Wally mm-hmm. when she's got handcuffs it's on. Wally. Hi. <laughs> Same thing in Christmas Vacation. Hello, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who could have been better? Kim Cattrall or Maureen McCormick? Ooh. Kim Cattrall. Here's the thing. If the script had more agency for Ellen, then Kim Cattrall would have been great. Because she's a fabulous clown. She really is. Don't tell me she's not a good clown. Go watch Sex in the City. That woman is hilarious. But there's something about Beverly D'Angelo that's so good against Chevy. No, I agree. Yeah. But but also it has to go with, like, she has no agency. She's meant to be the hot wife. Like, hot, reasonable wife. That's it. That's only her, her only job in the script. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Next up, Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie. Before this... The Last Picture Show, What's Up Doc, Paper Moon, The Last Detail, Bound for Glory, Midnight Express, Fox's Guiana Tragedy, and Of Mice and Men in 1981. Mm-hmm. After this, Streetcar Named Desire in 84, Fool for Love, No Man's Land, Caddyshack 2, Christmas Vacation, Days of Thunder, Saturday Night Live for like a season. Mm-hmm. The Paper, Bye Bye Love, Independence Day, Kingpin, Vegas Vacation, Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, Brokeback Mountain, and The Ice Harvest. Yeah. God, he's good. <laughs> He's good, and you know he's in a lot of them. So he's better in Christmas Vacation. He is because he's owned up to the cartoon character more. Like Cousin Eddie is better as a full-on cartoon than mm-hmm. he is as a very schlubby, dark kind of character, which he is in this movie. I hate this comparison of movies. I just don't like it. I think it would have been better if Cousin Eddie thought his life was hot shit. Like, if he was walking around being like, yeah, my house is awesome. Like, he thought he was big man in the world. Because in his world, he is. And then explained he needed a little bit of money. And then like, oh, we had this thing, but we'll take care of it. And then like, he comes off as a creep. Sort of. And I I just hate that. Because you do see it with his daughter. She's like, you think being a farmer's daughter is not cool? I'll show you. (laughs) Like, that's what's awesome. And I wish we could have, like, I wish Cousin Eddie was like that. He comes off as a creep, even though the movie is trying really hard to paint him as super sad. (laughs) Like, that's what they're trying to do by saying, like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm in a little bit of trouble. Oh, well, how much do you need? $52,000. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. He gets better when they use him later in the series because mm-hmm. he's just a, a fucking redneck. He's Yeah, he's just the redneck cousin. And they at- just he didn't quite have it pinned down in this movie. Yeah, this is just sad. But he's really good at yeah. playing that character. He's good at playing it. And I, I do love, like, he really was such a good actor for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know he did a lot of, like, crazy weird comedy roles later mm-hmm. on. Like, some of those early roles he did are phenomenal. Yeah. Who could have been better? Ooh. Robin Williams and Kenneth Mars. Who's Kenneth Mars? Kenneth Mars, uh, probably the biggest thing you'd remember is if you've seen the original producers, he is the Nazi guy that they get the script from. I'm trying to think about Robin Williams. Robin Williams would have known he was a joke. That's for sure. And whatever they would have improv would have been amazing. Him and Chevy improv mm-hmm. off each other. And with Ramus understanding the beats he'd have been able to take 
Robin and rein him in enough to make it work. Well, he would have done that or he also would have been like, you two go. Just stay in the frame. Uh-huh. We'll cut it later. Yeah. Like, y'all just do it and we'll see what works. Robin Williams. Sorry. Anthony Michael Hall as Rusty Griswold. <laughs> this, was even, this was before even the stuff that, like, really made him famous. This was his big break. Yep. He had really done TV movies and stuff before this. This is what got him with John Hughes. And after this, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, SNL, Johnny B. Good, Edward Scissorhands, Six Degrees of Separation, Pirates of Silicon Valley on TV, Freddy Got Fingered, 61, All About the Benjamins, The Dead Zone on television, lots of other television, War Machine in 2017, and he will have a role in the upcoming Halloween Kills in 2020. He was also on an episode of Riverdale playing Principal Featherhead. He was. It was adorable. I loved it. Anthony Michael Hall. He grew up really well. He's such a dorky kid in this movie. He he was a dorky looking kid, but he is a very attractive man. What do you, I mean, what do you think? What do you think of Rusty? He's okay. He gets better as the movie goes on. The scene with him and Clark at the pool after Clark gets out and Clark's just like, well, son, you know, it's like, yeah, dad, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one believes you, dad. You yeah, idiot. <laughs> like, I, I do like, because I, I remember it with Johnny Galecki in Christmas Vacation. Well, it's just the whole thing is that, like, Rusty totally sees through his dad's bullshit. Well, kind of. For about the first half of the movie, he's just, like, completely in awe of his dad. But I think what's good is over the course of the movie... You see him get less and less enchanted and be like, wait, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you are not a smart dude. Nope. Uh, and then uh, that beer scene is just fucking hilarious. Oh, that one's great. <laughs> when I was your age, my dad good. shared a beer with me and I thought it was about the best thing in the world. I was a boy, just about every summer we'd take a vacation. And you know, in 18 years, we never had fun. Now I have my own family, and, well, we're on our own vacation. And you know something, Russ? What, that? We're going to have fun. Dana Barron as Audrey Griswold. I don't have a lot of credits for her. Heaven Help Us, Heartbreak Hotel, and 90210. Honestly, though, I kind of think she's the better sibling. You know, she's on the same level as Clark and what Chevy's doing. This is my role. I'm the kid. And I have these few moments. But I'm going to make these moments work. Here, hold my purse. <laughs> <laughs> hold my purse. Hold my purse. <laughs> like, so she keeps smoking pot, which is great. <laughs> and she's... I like Audrey in this movie because I don't really like her in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, she's very fun and she's she's kind of the more fun sibling. I could chalk that up to she had a little more experience than Anthony Michael Hall did at this point. Yeah. And he just didn't quite have it. And finally, for our main cast, Imogene Coca as Aunt Edna. Now, you would know very little of her credits, but the biggest thing is that she was a regular performer on Sid Caesar's show of shows. She's like a legendary comedic actress. Funny enough, she originally turned down the part because she didn't think that she could be mean, and she was often worried on set about being too mean to the other cast. Aww. And during production, 
she suffered what they thought was a mild stroke. Oh, no. We'll get into it with the trivia, but the heat was a major factor in making this movie. Oh. And she had filmed all morning long, but by the afternoon, she could not remember anything that they had filmed prior or any of her lines. Oh, she got heat stroke. Once she got out of the hospital, she relearned all of her lines with her husband and got back to set and finished the film. Wow. The cast said they were amazed. It was like nothing ever happened. But that's the kind of day-to-day performer she was. She's just like, all right, I'm healthy. Let's get back on this. I gotta get back to work. And she'd been doing it for 50 years. That's crazy. She's great. She really is. She's another one of those side characters that sells the movie. All right. Arpons. Arpons. Eddie Bracken as Roy Wally. You would mm-hmm. also know him as Mr. Duncan in Home Alone 2, the owner of the toy store. Yeah, when he showed up, like, I know this guy. I know this guy. I know this guy. Oh, it's Mr. Duncan. Brian Doyle Murray as the camp comfort clerk. Yeah. Of course, the older brother of Bill. Yep. Miriam Flynn as cousin Catherine. The only reason I mentioned her, she will be appearing in many of the other vacation movies. And also tons of voice acting. You name a show, she probably worked on it. Okay. James Keach as the motorcycle cop. He is the brother of Stacy Keach and is married to Jane Seymour. Fun fact with him, he was originally up for the role of Freddy Krueger. I see it. <laughs> Eugene Levy as the car salesman. Of course. Brilliant. National, National Lampoon. You gotta have Eugene Levy. Frank McRae as Grover. We talked about him in Red Dawn as the teacher that gets gunned down early in the movie. Mm. Former football player that had a ton of roles. Cool. John Candy as Lasky, guard at Wally World. Oh, John Candy, I miss you. He received $1 million for his appearance. We'll get into it later when we talk about the ending of the movie. But Ramus wound up going to Candy because one of his characters, a Canadian security guard named Wally Wipizipichwick, was perfect for the rewrite of the ending of this movie. Okay. Christy Brinkley as the girl in the Ferrari. Yeah. The producers wanted her to do a nude scene. She refused. Good. And agreed to strip to underwear before jumping in the pool. Despite a few scenes, she stayed on set for the entire shoot of the film. I don't know why, just to observe and hang out and get an idea for what was going on. See, that would have made sense and worked great if they had used her as a figment of the boy's imagination. I know. I know. I don't know what to... I, it's... They could have done so much better. Yeah, they could have had a lot of fun with her. Yeah. Jane Krakowski as Cousin Vicky. Mm-hmm. This is her film debut. Great. Henry Gibson as an uncredited role as the hotel clerk that Clark tries to get into. Yeah. You would know him from Blues Brothers and Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. I haven't seen either of those things. And Harold Ramis makes an uncredited appearance as another car salesman in the background and like a bunch of random off-screen voices. Yeah. And his daughter, Violet Ramis, plays Daisy Mabel. Daisy Mabel. The littlest cousin. Oh, okay. That's cute. I like it when directors put their little tiny kids in their stuff. <laughs> it's just cute. It is. All right. Trivia. Trivia? Let's go to the filming and the ending of this movie. Mm-hmm. Filming of the on-the-road exterior segments of the film took three months of production with a second unit filming through California, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, and Illinois. This was filming exterior shots of the car. Uh-huh. And travel scenes with the car. Okay. Because they wanted it to look Look like like they were going through these states. Okay, well, I appreciate that. So that's where a big part of the budget for this movie came in. Was just filming the car. Yeah. 
And they also had the actors do principal filming in California, but also on location travel in Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to do the Grand Canyon, you've got to shoot them in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. But the heat was often unbearable. Mm-hmm. Anthony Michael Hall said some days it was over 120 degrees. Mm-hmm. The cast and crew had several times where they were passing out from heat exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And Ramus and Chase got so pissed off at each other at one point that Chevy threw a suitcase at him. I believe that. <laughs> like, I fully believe that. I believe it. I also believe that, like, I don't care if it was the nicest person in the world. When it's 120 degrees and you're trying to do a scene for the fifth time, somebody could get mad enough to throw something at someone else. I would just be like, I'm going home. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> the ending. The original ending has never been released, but Chevy claims that he has a tape of the film with that ending. And I should say IMDb credits a lot of this to the commentary for this movie. Okay. The original ending of the film consisted of the Griswold family going to the Hollywood house of Roy Wally and Clark pointing the gun at him, then forcing his business associates to sing and dance to Wally World theme songs before the police arrive. The girl in the red Ferrari turned out to be Wally's daughter... And she convinces him not to press charges. And on the plane ride home, the Griswolds realize they are on the wrong flight. Clark snaps and hijacks the plane. (laughs) Uh, This ending is better. This did not go over well with test audiences. No. Because it's dark. Yeah. And so that's when Ramus approached John Candy to do the movie, who commanded a $1 million salary to appear with this character. It was a last-minute alternate ending filmed over two weeks, four months after production ended. Oof. So they had to go back and redo it. That's hard. Because of this, at Wally World, Anthony Michael Hall is taller than Beverly D'Angelo, while they're the same height for the rest of the movie. Because in that four months, he had grown three inches. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) And it was at that point that they made the decision to make him older than Audrey. Mm -hmm. Because originally, it was the other way around. Well, in the other movies, that's how it is. Yeah, but it's not in this one because they couldn't plausibly pull it off because he'd grown so much by the ending. Well, and here's the other thing is that I don't feel like there's anything in the dialogue that makes it that you know that he's supposed to be older than her. And the other films, it's that's the same. Christmas Vacation, it's just Johnny Galecki is a super short person, like no shade. But him standing next to Juliet Lewis, you're just now like Juliet Lewis is still older than him. Yeah, it's just stupid and unnecessary. And I don't know how much of that was when they went to edit the movie. They cut out any reference to that. Possibly, I think. The implication is that because she's smoking pot and he's all about his dad that he's clearly supposed to be younger. But I don't know. The cast had terrible experiences at Wally World because they rode all those rides. Mm -hmm. Chase mentioned that the rides made him and other cast members vomit because they had to do it multiple times for each take. And during the filming, it was 105 degrees outside when Clark and Rusty did the chariots of fire scene over and over again for takes. The pavement was 130 degrees. After several retakes, Anthony Michael Hall wound up in the hospital getting treated for heat stroke. Gross. On to just more random trivia. The W in Griswold stands for Wilhelm. Hmm. The movie was originally pitched to Paramount to Mr. Jeffrey Katzenberg, who turned it down because it was, quote, too episodic. He was countered by saying road movies are, by definition, episodic. Hmm. Improv scenes in the movie includes Clark's sandwich dance. Mm -hmm. The eulogy to Edna Mm -hmm. and Rusty's beer chug. 
Yep. According to Hall, the beer can was empty. Pure acting. He did good. Ramis stated that when the wagon jumped through the air, the crew had bet the second unit director that he couldn't jump the car more than 50 feet. And he did, winning the bet. Cool. Hence the line. Hey, Dad, you must have jumped this thing about 50 yards. Ah, it's nothing to be proud of, Rusty. 50 yards. <laughs> also, the front end damage that the car took was not expected, so they had to do all of the dents and damage to the rest of the cars to make it look right for the rest to, of the to movie. Continue. The poster art is by fantasy illustrator Boris Vallejo, a parody of the Conan the Barbarian mm, yes. movie art. Yep. A real-life Wally World water park was opened in London, Ontario a few years after this movie. That's funny. John Candy was invited to open it, but they couldn't afford his appearance fee. That's one that I kind of feel like you just do. It would have been such a good story. Like, if you don't have time... That's fine. But I feel like that's one that I would be like, mm, yeah, I'm going to do this one. Um, but I'm going to lower my feet for this one. St. Louis and Dodge City were all created on the Warner Brothers backlot. Okay. During the Dodge City sequence, a prop guy dropped a dummy from the second level of the set after the blank shotgun gets shot. Mm-hmm. And the entire cast jumped in horror. I love it. <laughs> Based on inflation, Eddie's $52,000 in debt would roughly equate to $134,050. And finally, Chevy Chase and James Keach stated that when they did the scene about Dinky getting tied to the bumper, they were biting their lips and getting very emotional Mm -hmm. because they were trying to stop themselves from laughing. Yep. I watched that scene and went... Oh my God, they are so close to breaking every second. They both keep turning their heads. Chevy has to like run to the other side of the car because he can't stop laughing. Oh yeah, no, you can tell. And that's what makes it so good. Oh, it's a great scene. (sighs) Ratings. Okay, what's the rating scale? There's so many different things from this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many wagon queens? How many wagon queen roadsters? And it's me. This is my movie. These are all my movies. Yep. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I still think it's freaking hilarious, but I also recognize that you've got to do a lot of the legwork to find this movie funny. You have to dumb down a bunch of expectations. You have to just go ahead and say, eh, this premise is fine. I'm not going to question anything about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's several moments, as we said, that are not only problematic, but also just not necessary. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hallmark of 80s movies where they were like, oh, well, we need a scene like this because it's funny. And then realizing later on, oh, man, that just cheapened it. That being said, I still think Clark as a character is just so brilliant. And it's all playing into Chevy's ability to just do masterful physical comedy. Like, just tripping over a gas pump is fucking hilarious when he does it. I still kind of like it. I'm giving it a three. This is a one and a half for me. Oh, that hurts. It's just so improbable. And there's no grounding of anything in this film at all. It really does make it hard to enjoy. Because it's like, these people don't exist in any way. None of these people actually exist in the real world. It makes it hard to relate to. Like, I, I mentioned The Hangover before. Like, that movie is wacky as fuck. And that's the type of movie that's equivalent to this film. But the difference is those people are real and they grounded all of the crazy and they explain the crazy in a way that makes sense. And Clark, I'm fine with Clark as a character, but they just make him a creep and it's not funny or interesting. It's just he's a creep. 
And like I said, I think if you played it with like, here's this, like, you just make him so earnest and he's an idiot. That's fine. But then he cracks and this is how bad it goes when he finally cracks. That would have been amazing. And it makes the turn that much bigger. But we can already see that happening with him throughout the film. So it's not, it's not shocking. It's just like, well, this is interesting. So like, that's, that's my problem with this movie. (sighs) Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. And sad. Well, let's slog through some more, shall we? Yeah, at least the fourth one isn't all him, so. (laughs) Yeah. Next up, I'm not sure. I've seen this movie a couple of times. I remember it being fine. I know I've seen a couple scenes from this film again because it played on TV, of course. I don't really know anything except for clearly they're going to Europe. Yeah, that's right. We are going to do National Lampoon's European vacation. Mm -hmm. So, going to go international this time. All right. For now. Let's talk about some movies we saw. All right. This week we saw Parasite. All unemployed, Keetike's family takes peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected incident. Okay. Y'all have probably already seen it from me on Twitter or Facebook. This is the best movie I've seen all year. It is not what you think it is. It's better. You have to, you just have to go see it. Like I don't want to give anything away. It's phenomenal. I I would not change a single fucking thing about this movie. As I was watching it, I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. It twists. I've ever seen, but seen this year. It twists. It turns. You think it's one kind of movie, and it becomes another one, and then another one, and just layers on top of itself. And at no point feels convoluted. Correct. And it's not. It's not a movie that's full of itself. And it's telling some really great messages without trying it goes really deep while remaining a compelling story yes there's no doubt in my mind that this will be up for oscars i feel like this is this year's roma and i really hope it's nominated for best picture not just best foreign picture it did win the palm d'or which is the highest prize at con this year and arguably for some film people bigger deal than the oscars Mm mm-hmm yeah, this is this is the best film I've seen this year. This is the one to beat for me. All of the actors are and, phenomenal. And if y'all have been listening to this podcast at all for these past three years, I am stingy as fuck with my praise. So when I say I wouldn't change a thing, how many times have I said that about a movie? <laughs> Maybe twice on this podcast. So mm-hmm, go see it. Mm-hmm. Also chalk this up to at least one in a few foreign language films we've seen this year that we're just like, this might be better than anything we're seeing come out of American studios. It's phenomenal. It it. It truly is. Phenomenal. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. I wish we could say more, but uh, we don't want to spoil it. We get to award season, maybe. Yeah, when we get to award season, do not be surprised if you see this, and we will talk all about it if and when that happens. Well, until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook.